Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery again. Duzzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast as Marseille falter at home to 10-man Lille. Nice pull clear in second, but they remain 11 points behind the leaders PSG, who saw off Brest at the Parc des Princes. The biggest winners of the weekend were Rennes, but we'll also discuss the biggest losers who unquestionably were Bordeaux. What on earth is going on at the six-time champions and are les Girondins heading down to the second tier? We have a very special pod for you today. We're going to be heading to Cameroon to speak to Andy Scott about the Ligue 1 stars currently lighting up the Africa Cup of Nations. French journalist Julien Laurence is also joining us later on to talk about the latest uh, transfers going on in France. And there is a Lionel Messi PSG shirt up for grabs in our competition, Deja Who. Welcome along. I'm delighted to um, say that Robbie Thompson is with us this morning. How are you, Robbie? Very well, Matthew. How are you going? Very, very well, thank you. It was uh, a busy weekend. I was commentating the late game on Sunday night, so a um, few cobwebs that I will be uh, brushing off in the next few minutes. But uh, let's start by talking about the big game. It's our main focus today, the Marseille-Lille match. Uh, Lille uh, have really improved in the last couple of months. They went to the velodrome on the back of a 12-match unbeaten run. They need to pick up points, though, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats because uh, they're still in mid-table. Marseille uh, were joined second at the start of the weekend. Here is what happened at the velodrome. Renato Sanchez with the corner. The header down and the goal for Lille. Sven Botman glances the header into the back of the net. And Lille's... Uh, Resurgence under Jocelyn Korvenek continues it. He's been linked with uh, a move away from Lille. Newcastle reportedly very interested in Sven Botman. But he looks extremely focused on uh, life at Lille here. He found space in the middle of the Marseille defence. And just steered his header beyond Paul Lopez. The champions in front here at the Velodrome. And, uh, and a shot! Oh, what a beauty! Cengiz Under scores for the second weekend running. And Marseille at last draw level. After all of the probing, they finally get their reward. Under with uh, a lovely curling strike, his sixth goal of the season. And it's uh, given Marseille a real chance of turning this one around. There's still time left for OM to try to find a winner that is a lovely goal while Marseille tried very very hard to get that winning goal they came close on a couple of occasions there was that Jerson shot wonderful left-footed volley that went a couple of inches wide uh, a couple of late scrambles but Lille held on and uh, Robbie they were pretty good value Lille considering that they they dominated for the first 30 minutes or so until Benjamin Andre was sent off. Two quick uh, yellow cards for Benjamin Andre. Uh, Lille had 10 men, defended really well. 
for uh, around about an hour. Pretty frustrating for Marseille, who, although they did get that equaliser, thanks to Cengiz Under, um, didn't really create too many clear chances. Yeah, no, I think it was a, an evening in which, I mean, yes, Marseille will be frustrated. Marseille had the chance to go to reclaim second spot. They still have that game in hand, so it may yet happen. They they knew that after seeing other results and the likes of Rennes, Monaco get good get good wins over the weekend, that if they slipped up, if they dropped points, you know, they'd be they'd be coming back to the pack in this this chase, this hunt for second spot. And, you know, they started slowly. They were lucky not to be two down when Benjamin Andre got, got sent off. I mean, the the save to deny Burak, the, the header from a metre and a half out, was just breathtaking. Burak looked like he couldn't believe it. He he was talking to the goalkeeper saying, what's happened? What happened? Where's the ball? Where's the ball? Because, um, no, it was Lille, I think, until the sending off with a better side. And then Marseille, look... They, they they dominated. I think it was more than two-thirds possession. They did have chances. Payet was, was trying to make things happen. Milik, it's not quite working out there for him. I mean, he should have been on the score sheet as well. But, Robbie, I want to ask you about Milik because he's, he's, he's a top-class striker. You know, you speak to Marseille fans, they all say, we haven't had a number nine like that at the Velodrome in years. And yet, we can't play well with him. I, I, I was watching him That's closely what, that yesterday. That might be what PSG fans are saying. We haven't had a number 30 like this ever in the history of the club. <laughs> and, and it's just not, it's just not happening. No, look, but I he think... makes the runs, Robbie. He make, I, I, I was so watching him every Cavani. time Marseille have the ball in midfield. He's, you know, he's looking, he's trying to make the runs. And the ball, the ball, the ball doesn't come. Marseille are very patient in their build-up. I don't know. Do, do Marseille need to play more to Milik's strengths? Or does Milik need to change the way that he plays? It's, that's the question for for Sam Pauli, but for the moment you have a you have a system of playing whereby you've got Genduzi and Payet who see a lot of the football in advanced positions, Jerson as well. You have Unda, you have Lirola getting forward down the right hand side. They're not a team that look for those runs. More than anything, those runs from Milik are about creating space for the players behind him. When they do that, when Marseille are at their best, he's creating that space and Payet is shining, for example. When Payet is not quite shining, then people start saying, well, Milik's got to step up, but Milik's still making those runs, as you say. Milik is a, a, a team player. Milik really only had that one chance, that flick with the outside of the boot, that was a, a good opportunity for him. And normally, if he was on top of his game, he, he should have at least got that on target. Final point for me about this game is how well Lille defended until the goal. Where were they? There's no there. There's one player. I think it's Bomber is the only player who stepped out towards the edge of the area. You've got two Marseille players to take the short corner. You've got Under at the corner of the box. For those three players, there's one player, and you see Jonathan David uh, or David just react too late to try and close down Under along with um, the, the Portuguese midfielder with the hair. With the hair, Renato Sanchez. <laughs> Renato Sanchez. They, they were just standing there, marking space around the penalty box, and went, by the time the pass went from Payet to Unda, they both moved, and it was too late. And you have to be yeah. frustrated, having defended so well for so long, holding that's on concentration, to isn't it? Exactly. I, I, I think as and well, maybe Robbie, that's concentration were... from being a man down for an hour. Yeah, and they were dropping deeper and deeper and deeper. And, uh, you know, at times 
Botman and, and Font were almost stepping on Gerbich's toes. But because, that's what you know, they loved last year, Matt. They were defending yeah. and they grow on that defence and they love defending. Even I mean, it was Mignon, not, not Gerbich, but, but the same two at the back and the defence, they loved defending. They were happy. They could sit deep if they needed to. And they were deadly on the counter-attack. I, just, I think they'd be very, very disappointed with that goal they conceded. I, I agree, but they're, they're getting it back, aren't they? They're getting back to sort of that, that solidity that they had last season. And uh, yeah, they cause real problems, even with 10 men. A bit less, in, in, a bit less so in, in, in the second half. But the counter-attacking, the speed of Bomber, mm-hmm. um, Renato Sanchez, I thought was excellent. Yeah, fantastic. Just, uh, even though I couldn't superb. remember his name for a moment, but uh, brilliant. <laughs> well, the, the Portuguese with the hair, I, I was thinking, is that Cheka? Cheka came on. Um, but yeah, I guess Renato Sanchez. It would Sanchez's normally be Yazici, wouldn't it? But not at the moment. Yeah, Yazici <laughs> could be leaving. Um, that brings me on to transfers. We'll talk a bit later about Hatem Ben Arfa. Um, Robbie, what, what, what are your thoughts? Good idea or not? There's talk that Hatem Ben Arfa could be joining Lille, which I have to say I'm really surprised about because it, it, it's usually a bit of a desperate club that goes for Hatem Ben Arfa at this stage <laughs> of the season, not, not, not the defending champions. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Should we should we keep going? I think that's just a no. crazy idea. I mean, Hatem was an incredibly talented player. There's no doubt, but I think he's 34, 35 years of age now. He he hasn't played. He's hardly kicked a ball for I can't see when you when you when you're looking for a spark. They've got players that have spark. Why is Govanek looking for to to bring someone in like like Hatem Ben Arfa, who yes, is a mercurial player. But his best days are behind him. And surely, surely this Lille side, the champions, as you say, Olivier Leton should be looking to at least to a young player. They've got, they've got good scouting networks. They, they have had. They've had a, some fantastic players. And they're going to lose other players, surely, at the end of this season, aren't they? I mean, Burak Yilmaz is going to keep going. Jonathan David, by all accounts, is, is, is on his way. And they're going to need someone. Is that player moving forward going to be Hatem Ben Arfa? We'll have to wait and see. We'll talk to Julien Laurence uh, about all the transfers. We'll have a word from him uh, about Hatem Ben Arfa as well. Um, Lille are, are currently 10th. That draw moves them up one position. But what is incredible is just how close it is in, in Liga Uber Eats. And uh, Lille have got a game in hand. Had they held on and won uh, last night and then won their game in hand, or if they win their game in hand on Wednesday against Lorient, they're level with Rennes in fourth. So, you know, that's how close it is. So they're, they're five behind Rennes. Um, they'll be confident they can beat Lorient on Wednesday. That brings them right into the mix um, for European qualification. And uh, as I was saying, that they do look like they've turned a corner. That qualification for the knockout stage of the Champions League has done them a lot of good. 13 unbeaten for, for Gorvenex men. And uh, yeah, work to do for Marseille. They've dropped a couple of points Adrift of Nice. Nice are second. They were in action on Friday night. Um, nice and Monaco, the two Côte d'Azur teams, going well. Um, nice got the victory over Nantes by two goals to one. Kasper Dolberg with a penalty. Nantes equalised through Andre Girotto um, after a, a real blunder. His uh, free kick, Girotto, was spilt by Walter Benitez. Is it a coincidence, Robbie, just quickly, that... Walter Benitez, as soon as he gets French nationality, because he's now got French citizenship and can play for France, um, he drops the clangor like that. It was a bad clangor, wasn't it? I mean, I thought at first, <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought, OK, Girotto, how about that? Going under the wall and, uh, and catching everyone out. 
but he didn't go under the wall. He went around no, the wall, and Benitez Walter, made a bad yeah, mistake. He's, he's made a mistake. If you're a goalkeeper, just stay Argentine. Don't don't become French. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, but he has been having a good <laughs> do, season. Do up Argentina until now. really have such a fantastic tradition of goalkeepers? And no. you're being pretty generous or to, to Argentine <laughs> goalkeepers there, surely. I'm just I'm pulling the the legs of our French friends. I always find there's a bit of um, a bit of ribbing going on between the English and French because ever since I've lived in France and gosh, it's it's a long time now, two decades. <laughs> the French make jokes about English goalkeepers, and I've always looked at French goalkeepers and thought, well, you know, if you guys were were that good, you'd all be playing for Manchester United and and, and Chelsea and Barcelona and actually and winning World Cups and and stuff and, like that. Yeah. Well, mm. no, look, <laughs> Hugo Lloris plays for Tottenham. Enough said. Listen, um, Robbie. Nice got the winner. Really good goal, by the way. Uh, check it out on our um, Liga Nubris YouTube channel uh, if you get the chance. Kefren Churam, lovely one-two, surging run, 2-1 Nice. Galtier's team do it again. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was a, a good game. There are several things to take out of, to take away from this game. One, that, that Dant can make terrible mistakes as he nears 40. He was lucky to get away with... Um, with a with a big mistake early on that Colomwani almost put away to give to give Nant the lead. Um, having said that, he then won the penalty. He is a leader. We saw how much they missed him last year when he was sidelined with a knee injury. So I'm not not I'm not really being critical or disparaging about Dant and everything that he brings to to this Nice side. Um, Look, I think Nantes will be disappointed with that Turam goal. He picked up the ball in his own half of the field. He ran uncontested, just one acceleration through midfield. Antoine Combouare, a former hard man at the back, coach of this Nantes side. He's done a fantastic job, mind you, because this is the first time in a long time we've seen Nantes looking in the top half of the table and looking like a side with some character. Um, I've just said the same thing about Marseille's equalising goal, how the opponent opposition defense will be disappointed I think that's doubly the case here because it's a fantastic goal from Turam acceleration he's got control he's got technique he's a he's a fluid elegant footballer great to see Guiri playing one twos as well because he's a he's a, a selfish striker in many respects but great to see him adding this little bow to his game as well um Fantastic goal, worthy of winning the game. I think Nott will be a little upset. For me, the main talking point to come out of this one is the character that this Nice side are starting to show because it hasn't always been an easy season for them. New coach, Galtier came in with with methods that for Galtier, I mean, last season was the summit for Christophe Galtier. It was the, the greatest moment of his career. He won the league as head coach with this team against the mighty Paris Saint-Germain. He came to Nice with, I think, more certainties than he would ever have brought into the start of a season about his methods, about a lot of things. And he then had to transpose these onto a, onto a new club. And I think that caused a few problems at the start. I don't think it was a, an easy marriage right from the start. I think we saw it with inconsistent results. We've seen Nice play well and then players look like they're, they're not performing up to their full potential. They've, they've suffered some big defeats along the way but then we see they get a great draw with Paris Saint-Germain um, they come from behind they record a fantastic 3-2 win over Olympic Lyonnais they come from behind yesterday again to win this one um, and they're starting to show 
the type of character that Galtier can bring to a side. I like that. I like the spirit and the fight, and I get the feeling now that they're starting to to really gel with the coaching staff, with the playing staff, and look out Paris Saint-Germain because there's a cup match coming up in 10 days' time and uh, at the Parc des Princes. And this Nice side, there's nothing Galtier likes more than knocking off Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, indeed, indeed. And uh, I do like Kefren Turam, just uh, a word about him, because it's interesting, they've they've lost Mario Lamina to the Cup of Nations and... Uh, uh, there were question marks about the midfield. We've been talking about Kefran Turam leaving for it feels like for a, for for a year or a year and a half now. He's meant to be going to the Bundesliga to join his brother Marcus Turam, um, but he's still there, and he looks like he looks like a real player. And uh, you just wonder what those kickabouts were like in uh, in uh, Lilian Turam's garden with uh, it was a dead with goal. Marcus. They had a goalkeeper Kefren, as well, didn't they? Johan, yes, yeah. Johan Churam Ulian, who plays for, for, for Amiens. So he would have been in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Lilian would have been the referee or just, I don't know, maybe, maybe centre back and he would have had Kefren and, and Marcus <laughs> just ahead of him. Yeah. Formidable. They're absolutely. Formidable four man team. And perhaps, but they, are, uh, they are spectacularly talented. I'm a big fan of Marcus <laughs> Churam, big fan of, of, of Kefren as well. And I can also tell you, because I know for a fact, that Galtier is a big fan of Kefren Turam. He, he talks him up a lot. Um, I've, I've heard good things from Galtier about Turam. He, he took his time with him this season. He didn't want to burn him out. He, he knew that there were, there were certain elements in the squad that needed to bed in and new players. And Turam had to bide his time. And he's still, to a certain extent, he's not, he's not first name on the team sheet. But when he is, he's there. And uh, Galtier's, a, Galtier's a big fan. Yeah, and he's good with young players, Galtier. Just looking, he's, he's, he's been involved in 20 matches this season in the league, Kefren Turam. So uh, 20 out of 21 is not bad. Eight starts, 12 sub-appearances. And uh, excellent he was uh, at the weekend. Robbie, uh, I want your take from uh, the Monaco 4 Clermont nil game. Um, Nil-nil at half-time. Then Sofiane Diop uh, with some Ben Yedda and Caio Enrique getting the goals. Ben Yedda got two, including a penalty after coming off the bench what is your one takeaway from this? And by the way, that was Philippe Clermont's first win and Monaco are into the top five, which, uh, which is what sporting director Paul Mitchell was, uh, was saying. He wasn't happy with Niko Kovac because they haven't once been in the top five. But as I mentioned last week, they were pretty much knocking on the door and now they're in the top five. Absolutely done. Job done for Philippe Clermont. Got them in the <laughs> top five. He's for, that is, I wonder if there was a, a little bonus involved in that one as well. Um, a home win against Claremont. I reckon Kovac might have got that as well. But anyway, yeah, Rob. <laughs> I know you're a big Nico Kovac fan. And I think, I, think, uh, I think he got a lot of love from the podcast as well, as a, as a rule. Um, one thing I liked from this, and it's, it's never easy for a new coach with um, Philippe Claremont coming on, was that he brought on Wissam Ben Yedda, and Ben Yedda showed that he still has so much to give to this side as a leader on the pitch as well. Um, Sofiane Diop, they, had, they did have a couple of chances. They, they had penalty appeals that were, they had the ball in the back of the net ruled out for offside. Sofiane Diop breaking that offside trap and giving them that goal. It was right on the stroke of halftime. It was the perfect way to send them into the, into the break by a goal to the good. And they needed that because Clermont have shown that they can, they can sit deep. They can defend doggedly. They can make life difficult for teams, even if they have... It, their first ever season in the top flight has been a struggle. Look, I like Wissam Ben Yedda. I think he's a superb player. I think he's the one that earned the penalty. He scored the penalty. He was on, on the score sheet before that as well. And how about Caio Enrique? 
because I know he's a player that we like here on the pod as well. Yeah, a first superb, ever goal. Superb left back. First goal for Monaco after two years and superb left back. And and look, if I don't think Philippe Clement has made a lot of changes. I think this victory is, you know, as you say, Niko Kovac would have got a, or could have at least hoped that his side would perform just as well as, as they did. But they did it. They got the win. Yeah. At home as well, the Prince Prince Albert was there clapping on uh, as well. So look, it, it's it's he good for he Monaco. Wasn't, he wasn't um, he wasn't wearing his mask properly. I he noticed. wasn't. I did say that. I saw that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, important to get that first win, no question. Um, Chiromani impressed me as well in in that game. He he's looking so strong at the moment, so impressive. But what a uh, player! Yeah. Yeah, what a player, what a player he is going to be. Uh, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. Um, thank you once again for joining us. It's prize time now. I know a lot of you are very excited about this. We had a Monaco shirt up for grabs uh, last week and uh, quite a few of you got the answer to our Deja Who. Um, quite a few of you emailed in league1podcast at gmail.com. That's L-I-G-U-E, the number one podcast at gmail.com um last week's clue i'll try and read it quite quickly because it is it, really long i'm pleased to say that robbie's gone shorter with this week's clue but last week's was emigrating to france when i was five i made my pro debut at 17 and my fleeting dashes down the wing brought early success and a league on title home to roost a move overseas saw me change position at first and then stratosphere as i quickly became one of the best in the world in my new position my sense of fight, sacrifice and understanding of the game helped the stars around me to shine. From one capital club to another, I became one of only three Frenchmen to win the championship in three of Europe's top five leagues. However, a last hurrah in Bleu fell short at the final hurdle. After more than 20 years at the top, I finished my career back in France before a new Galacticos era. Who am I? Yes, Plenty of you got it. And Robbie, there were, I, I just thought too many clues. Too many clues. Too easy. We're going to make it harder in future. Claude Makaleli, well done. A lot of the usual suspects got it. Um, a little bit earlier today in, uh, in Sydney, Australia, a draw took place. Robbie Thompson pulled a name out of the hat. And the first winner of our uh, shirt prize uh, this week, the Monaco shirt, goes to Kristaps Sverbulish. Congratulations to Kristaps. Um, you got Claude Makaleli. Robbie will be in touch to ask for your details and you will be getting a beautiful AS Monaco shirt. Now, just a word, Deja just a, just a yes, quick Rob. word in, in my defence, too many clues. Matt, we all know when you're trying to give away a shirt that the, the clues are so simple these days that it's like, what was the score between PSG's game on the weekend? You know, and that's all. I know, but so Rob, look, at least dealing- there's something in there. There was we're there were a couple of French football there experts. There were a couple here. of wrong answers. Okay, there. <laughs> but most people did get it right. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We we welcome wrong answers. We welcome uh, wild guesses. But we we know that our listeners are a very knowledgeable lot. Here we go. It's time for this week's Deja Ho. And by the way, a Lionel Messi PSG shirt is uh, is the prize for this one. After great success in the youth academy. I graduated to the first team of my one and only French side and went on to play a key role in the most successful period ever in the club's history, winning the league and two cups. Called upon to represent my country, I played a far less important role as my nation enjoyed global success. 
providing a safe pair of hands for football's holy grail. A move overseas brought more silverware but little recognition as I further confirmed my new status as the forgotten man of French football despite sharing my name with arguably the greatest player of all time. Intriguing stuff. That, uh, that's that's if nigh you think impossible, you know the answer, Matt. Nigh impossible? <laughs> don't know. Don't know. But yeah, one or two of the clues, I have to admit, when I read them were a bit, bit misleading. Makes it tricky. Um, if you think you know the answer, send your email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of the pod. Tell your friends about the pod. Um, we're always welcoming new listeners. Now, Robbie, very exciting news. We're going to be dialing up to Cameroon and we're going to be speaking to Andy Scott, our man at the Africa Cup of Nations. So let's welcome our intrepid traveller, Andy Scott. Andy, how are you? Tell us, where are you? How's the tournament going? Hi, Matt. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, I am in Douala in Cameroon, which is the economic capital of this Central African country, as I'm sure that you know. Um, which is one of the main venues for the Africa Cup of Nations. And I've been here for just over a week. The uh, competition began last Sunday and we are now um, two matches through the group phase. So today Cameroon play their last game of the group phase. They're already through to the last 16. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been challenging. Uh, lots of things happening. It's a chaotic city. It's uh, very hot and humid. So it's a big change from... Being in um, being in Paris at this time of year, but it's uh, it's fun and uh, three more weeks to go, so we're a long way from the end. So it's a case of pacing yourself uh, for the big games to come. Andy, I, I saw you tweeting about the um, the fervor in the country because on you know on TV we're unfortunately seeing quite a lot of empty stadiums. What's it like out there, and, and you know, especially when Cameroon are playing? Well, listen, in the streets of Cameroon. Um, People are absolutely mad for the football. Uh, the, I mean, this is this genuinely is a football mad country. And everywhere you go in the streets of Douala, this big city of four million people, and I believe it's echoed around the country, you can see the signs that the people are loving this um, this competition, loving hosting it. You drive along, you know, you drive through the streets. There are bars everywhere with screens showing the games, not just the Cameroon games, but every game. But um, but unfortunately, in the stadiums, the people are not there. There were 11,000 people at the game here in Douala last night, the Algeria game, in a stadium of 50,000. It's not brilliant. But um, the, unfortunately, the, 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 uh, the COVID rules have put people off. I think there's no getting away from that. People have to be vaccinated and provide proof of a negative test to get into the ground. This in a country where, unfortunately, very few people are vaccinated. So that has put people off. But hopefully, as the competition goes on, there will be more people attending matches. We'll see. Andy, I think, I mean, I'm watching this from afar. I mean, I was at, at in Egypt in 2006. I know that Matt's travelled to and been on site at a couple of AFCONs as well. That the atmosphere sur place on the ground in the country is always something so special. But I think this year it's gone up a level in terms of international interest as well. Loads of people watching in Australia and particularly in France, it's always something that I think captures the imagination. We saw even the Arab Cup uh, in Qatar last month was was a, a big deal in France and, and being watched around the world. In France, it's always important. How are our Ligue 1 stars going, our Ligue 1 boys? Well, as you know, Robbie, there are many, many Ligue 1 players involved at the Cup of Nations and um, lots of very good Ligue 1 players involved. I mean, just in the last few days, we've had Carl Tokoe Kambi scoring a couple of goals for Cameroon. 
the Lyon player. We had um, Jim Alivina of Clermont scoring a fabulous goal for Gabon the other night against Ghana to give them a 1-1 draw. Controversial goal at the end of that game because Ghana were unhappy that, um, that Gabon hadn't given them the ball back when they put the ball out to allow for one of their players to get treatment. But great goal by Alivina. A uh, great goal by Moses Simon from Nigeria, the not winger the other night as they uh, qualified for the last 16. And just yesterday, Wabi Kazri with a couple of goals for Tunisia in their uh, big win against Mauritania. Uh, listen, I mean, there are league on players in just about every team here at the Cup of Nations. And even those who don't have league on players, they have French-born players, they have players who used to play in league on. Where I am in Douala, we have Algeria and the Ivory Coast, both of whom have... Uh, French-born managers, Jamel Belmadi and uh, Patrice Beaumel, and a host of players who maybe used to play in France or were born here. So the French interest is enormous in the Cup of Nations, of course it is. But um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I just can't, I, you know, as, as you said, you guys have covered this competition before. It's a competition which always throws up terrific storylines. And you may have seen the, the referee in the Mali-Tunisia game blowing for full time before the end. Of course, that's been one of the big talking points so far. But uh, some of the football on the field has been good in the last few days. There weren't many goals in the first few days, but it is getting better. Andy, just a word about Carl Tocco Ekombi because he's um, he's always been a good player. He's you know he's done well with Angers, Villarreal, and now now with Lyon. But I, I feel he's always been a bit derided um, by some people at Lyon, some people in France. I, I remember that Champions League semi final where he missed a hatful of chances against Bayern Munich. What what what's it like over there? Can Kolta Koekombi walk down the streets of Douala or would he just get mobbed? And, uh, you know, is he, is, he, is, is he one of the big heroes over there? Kolta Koekombi is definitely one of the big heroes. I mean, um, I mean, the star for Cameroon has been the former Lorient striker, Vincent Aboubacar, because he scored two goals in each of the, the two games they've played so far. And, and when I was at the, the fruit and veg market in the centre of town here the other day, there was uh, uh, a, a chat with the Cameroon top with Aboubacar's name and number on the back. Tokokombi is maybe not quite in that league yet. Of course, Carl Tokokombi was born in France, brought up in France um, and, and opted to play for Cameroon because it's his father's country. So maybe he doesn't quite have the same connection with Cameroon as, as one or two of the other players yet. But I think being here in this Cup of Nations on home soil, I heard him speaking after the game the other day, talking about how great it was to be playing in the Cup of Nations here in Cameroon. I think he's going to become a massive star in this country as the tournament goes on. I think, by the way, that Cameroon, you know, you would expect it as the hosts. They have a very good chance of going um, all the way in this competition. And I mean, he is a he is a fine player. I know, he, as you say, he's a player who divides opinion sometimes in France. But, um, you know, he's got those long legs. He's uh, maybe a slightly unusual looking player, but he's a very good player. And I think in this Cameroon team, he gives them something something extra. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Andy Scott, for, for joining us and, uh, and for bringing that insight. Before we let you go, just a, a very quick anecdote. Robbie mentioned we were, we were both in, in Egypt. One of my memories, Robbie, of covering <laughs> that Africa Cup of Nations was towards the end of the tournament. It is, it is a sort of long, gruelling affair. It's, you know, it's, it's, fantastic, it's a fantastic experience to cover these tournaments. And it was the day of the third, fourth playoff that, you know, this game that the players really fed up. They want to go home. They don't want to play in the third, fourth playoff. And, and Robbie and I had a bit of time off that morning. We went to the, to the um, what are they called? The pyramids. Sorry. <laughs> what are they one called? Of, one of big yeah, things. Those, big thing in Yeah, Egypt. those incredible pyramids. <laughs> and I remember crawling through these pyramids and, and we bumped into a Senegal player, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, in one of these tunnels. And it was Omar Daff and... Uh, he was really nice and we got chatting to him and he, and he said, oh, no, I'm not playing. I'm not playing in the third, fourth playoff. The coach has decided to, you know, play all the reserves. So I'm, I'm, having, I'm having my day off. 
And Robbie and I went to the stadium that night and we were a bit shocked. We saw the team lineups and Omar Daff was captain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, PSG, I was at uh, the Parc des Princes pre-season last year when PSG played Sochaux. And I went up and had a chat to Omar Daff. He still looks exactly the same. He's in fantastic shape. He's the head coach of Sochaux. And I went up to him and I was there in all my PSG gear and he was lovely. He didn't recognize me, of course. And I said, Mr. Daff, uh, do you remember 2006? the day of the, the, the morning of the, the petite finale, the, the third, fourth playoff, as it's called. And uh, you ran into a couple of English journalists. And he, get, he just looked at me and smiled and said, oh, oui, oui, and gave me a, gave me a big <laughs> hug and a shake of the hand and asked me how I was and everything. So it was very nice, very nice moment. And Andy, I was just about that referee and go, another very quick anecdote about 2006 if the referee that called time in the 85th minute had anything like the stomach bug that i had in 2006 it's a miracle you made it that far because i've never felt sicker in my entire life than i was in egypt in 2006 i tell you i'll tell you one thing i'll tell you one thing before i go which is that i i was in the the town of limbe which is on the coast um not far away from here for that game the the, the controversial game between mali and tunisia when Gianni Sikazwe, the Zambian referee, blew for full time twice before the 90 minutes were up. And it was said later on that he was taken to hospital suffering from dehydration and heat stroke. Now, I can tell you that I was in the stand for that game. And the way in which I suffered with the heat and humidity without being, you know, without having to run around on the pitch, I can't blame the referee. The conditions are incredibly tough, especially in a game which kicks off in the middle of the afternoon. So... Um, I think, you know, I think we can let him off with that one. You're a generous boy, Andy. You're a generous boy. I do hope the, the rest of the tournament goes well for you. And come back quickly, Andy, because we need your, your league and commentary. By the way, we're missing you. Definitely. I'm following it from afar. I'm following it from afar. Take care, Andy. Enjoy, Andy. Bye. Well, great stuff from uh, Andy Scott. Back to the Liga Uber Eats action now with with Robbie Thompson. Uh, a great victory at the weekend, Robbie, for, for Lens. And they're benefiting, actually, from one of their African players not going to the Cup of Nations. Seko Fofana is uh, a Côte d'Ivoire international, but has uh, put his international career on hold to focus on his club career. And my word, he is focusing on his club career. He scored uh, a stunning last-minute winner for Lens against uh, Saint-Etienne, cutting in from the left, curling it right-footed into the top corner. Hammer blow for Saint-Etienne. Two defeats from two now for Pascal Dupra there. Five points adrift at the bottom. But Seko Fofana, Robbie. What a season he's having. It's just spectacular. He is, he is just awesome. I think we were, we were so impressed by Gael Kakuta uh, in his first season back with Lens. And I expected him to, to be the, the leader again. But we saw last season, while it, was, while it was great at Lens, he couldn't do it all on his own. He needed, he needed another player to step up. There was Jonathan Klaus. There was Seko Fofana. But this season, everyone has taken that next step up and no one more than Seko Fofana. I mean, he is, he is spectacular. He's, he's an intelligent footballer, but what I like more than, his, more than his brains is just his engine and his eye for goal. He never gives up. He's got that competitive spirit, that, that fierce, he's never beaten. He's never say die. He will go and go. And then when you add the kind of quality he has, because he can make tackles, he can break tackles, he can dribble, he can, as we saw just yesterday, curl the ball into the top corner from a, you know, a difficult angle as well in the 95th minute. Um, it's, it's inspirational stuff. And Cote d'Ivoire, they're not, they're not doing a, all that crash hot 
at the moment and they could probably have used him. All good for Racing Club of Lens. Absolutely, they could, uh, they could have used him. Um, a couple of big victories for, for big teams as well. PSG marching on. Uh, they beat Brest 2-0, as I mentioned. Kylian Mbappe and Tilo Kera scoring, uh, scoring the goals. Kera's got a couple in, in, in the last couple of games. Leon won. 1-0 away to Troyes. It wasn't a great Lyon performance, but a really important result of that for Peter Boss. Moussa Dembele uh, with the penalty. Uh, now, if Saint-Etienne cut adrift at the bottom, it's because Mets were victorious. They got a huge 1-0 victory away to Reims. It may not sound huge, but it is as far <laughs> as uh, Mets are concerned. Ibrahima Nian scoring the goal. Lorient picked up a point as well against Angers. Um, but Robbie Bordeaux, they are second bottom now. Let's hear just uh, a few extracts of what happened at Rosen Park. Wren versus Bordeaux with Angus Terode. Borijo still three or four men in the middle. If the cross can come in. Le board is there, but so too is Maxair. Still not away. Still not away! And Martin Terrier finally breaks the deadlock. Double figures for the first time in Liga and any of his clubs in a season. Ren 2, Bordeaux nil at the Roseanne Park and it could be more. Here comes uh, Doku into Le Bourg and it is, it's 3-0. Denied a goal a few moments ago. No one's going to take that one off him. Girassi. Now on the left is uh, Juf. And here he is, the youngster, ball into the middle, it's a procession, and it's a second goal for Garassi. Talk about making up for lost time. Well, the heart has been ripped out of Bordeaux. They have nothing left to give. It finished 6-0 to Rennes. It's actually the second time this season they've won 6-0. They also beat uh, Clermont. By that scoreline, they are back up to fourth. But uh, we all know about Martin Terrier and Gaetan Laborde and you know their their abilities and Ren's abilities to score goals. But didn't Bordeaux make it easy for them? Their coach Vladimir Petkovic is under fire. He said after the game, "It started badly for us, and then it got even worse. I didn't manage to push my players enough. They were too frightened. And when that happens, it's difficult." To play football. Robbie, it's Bordeaux's biggest defeat since 1986. This is their worst points tally, or the second worst in their history. Uh, the worst came in 1960 when they got relegated. This is looking bad, Rob. It looks very, very bad. And it's not just on the pitch it looks bad. It looks bad off the pitch and, and at the club. And and how many times have we seen it, Matt? And I think you look at, you look at Saint-Étienne, you look at Nantes, who this season look like they've turned the corner, perhaps courtesy large part to some very tough coaching from Antoine Comboire and tough decisions that were made. Perhaps what we've seen in the last week are the tough decisions that might just try and turn the corner for this Bordeaux side because benching Laurent Koscielny, saying you are surplus to requirements, club captain, midway through the season, where we're in trouble, we don't want you. Otavio, we don't want you. Kalu, we don't want you. Maja, we don't want you. It's pretty, Robbie. It's pretty. It's pretty extreme. I it's mean, very extreme. And the six result, players, six players, and, and you know, Kachelny's not just been benched. He's been told it's over. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. he's basically Surplus been told, to Bordeaux, don't, don't want you anymore. He's got a huge 
contract. Koscielny, um, Otavio, Paul Bates, Mehdi Zerkan, Samuel Kalu and Josh Madger, although Madger did come on um, at the weekend. But those six have been told, you're not pulling your weight and we don't feel you're worth your wages, basically. I mean, can you imagine the atmosphere on the training ground and looking at Petkovic in his post-match interview, he looked a bit like a dead man walking. And you just have to wonder if Gerard Lopez, the uh, the, the club president, whether he has things under control, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. Um, I think, I mean, there have been so many changes in that club and the fans for the last two years have been marching against investors, against uh, firms that have bought the club, that have tried to turn the club around. Make no mistake, Gerard Lopez, he likes his football, of course, but he's looking for a return on his investment like the one he got before he, he jumped shop, uh, jump, jumped ship at Lille and left them in a in a fairly precarious state as well. It's not looking good at Bordeaux. Uh, by all accounts, Petkovic has been given a little vote of confidence. There there have been some big analysis into the worst defence in the in Ligue 1, and they've decided that most of the mistakes are not down to the coach, but individual errors. This is a this is the word to have come out of the club. So Petkovic, they've sort of said it's not the coach. It's the players that aren't pulling their weight, that aren't doing the job. We're going to stick with Petkovic. And I think they've got another couple of big games coming up, games that are winnable games for them, perhaps more so than Wren. But um, it's, it's stuff that's on the line now for Bordeaux. Make no mistake, if he was given, as reports are, a three-game to try and turn this ship around, the first 90 minutes didn't go in his favour. I think he'll need at least four points, but also some some calmness some serenity and some players that look like they want to play for the shirt and can play football yeah four four defeats in a row for Bordeaux you say they got some winnable games maybe but next up it's Strasbourg Strasbourg are going great guns they're Mm. in seventh with a game in hand they won 3-1 against Montpellier at the weekend Kevin Gamero among the goals with uh, Habib Diallo uh, at the Cup of Nations and Ludovic Ajork suspended so that's a big result for them. And then Bordeaux play Rouse. So perhaps Rouse is a game they, they can win. But Robbie, I think they've bought badly. I think if you look at the the players that have come in, I mean, Mbai Nyong used to play for Ren, but I don't think any of the Ren players would have recognised him uh, yesterday because he is a shadow of, of the player that he was when he was playing for Ren. Uh, Gregerson, the, uh, the Norwegian defender, looks shaky mangas at, at, at left back who's coming from Boa Vista I'm not I'm not convinced Timothy Pembele's done quite well but uh yeah yeah problems mm-hmm. problems but maybe they've got a couple of weeks to salvage things because the 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 transfer window is still open and that gives me a chance to bring in um our next guest the uh, very distinguished French football journalist Julien Laurence yes Julien Laurence joins us on Le Bourge how are you Julien thank you for joining us I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year, everyone. Well, it's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Julian. Fantastic to have you on to add some, uh, some more precious insight into what's going on in the world of, uh, of transfers at the moment in, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. And even over here in France, Julian, we feel like we're a bit dominated by the, the Newcastle rumours because they're being linked, <laughs> with, linked with pretty much half, half yeah. of Ligue 1. Every club is being linked with a, a, a player um, you know, joining Newcastle. So we've had Sven Botman, which... You know, it seems to have calmed down a little bit. I think Lille want to keep him. Benoit Badia-Shield, the Monaco uh, centre-back. Even rumours, stories that perhaps Newcastle were inquiring about Kalon Navas. Yeah. We had Hugo Eketike, the yeah. very exciting round striker. Ludovic Blas, I saw reports 
about him. He's having a good season <laughs> yeah. with, with none. Any of them, do you think any of them might be on their way to Newcastle? I'd be very surprised if one, if one of them uh, is happening this month. One, because as we all know, January is, is far more difficult than the summer, but also because those players have um, circumstances. Let's put it that way. If you look at Badiashil, who I, I think um, they were really keen on once the Botman sort of offer fell through, Botman because Lille don't want to sell, as you said, because he doesn't want to go right now. And why would he? He's got the Champions League to play against Chelsea. There's a very important second half of the season for him personally to go and to make sure that he's in the in the Dutch squad, for example, looking at the World Cup in November. So stability, I think, for him would be the key now. And also, he and, the, and Lille both know that the same offers, if not more, will come back in the summer anyway, probably with more money, especially if he's good in the Champions League, for example. So makes no sense. But Yashil, however... I think they had more ground to it. The problem is got that in- he got that injury, remember, against Nantes the previous weekend. Mm. And, and I think that could be a, a stumbling block. For Blas, too important for Nantes this season. And again, the summer is, is far better for him to move. He will have many more offers than just Newcastle. Kaylor Navas, good luck on this one. I mean, I, 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 you know, we need to give them credit for, for how bold they were, thinking that maybe they could go and get the PSG number one base, if you want. PSG said no, and I think Kaylor said no as well. Uh, but there's, as someone was telling me the other day, they just spend a lot of time on the phone. They've got a lot of people on the phone, especially who speak French, to try to strengthen their squad. And as often, Ligue 1 is seen as a great market for English clubs and especially a team like Newcastle. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about Hugo Eketike. We've been impressed with him, of course. He's raced to, to eight goals. I just wonder... You know, because a year ago he was playing on loan in, in, in Denmark. We didn't know much about him. I just wonder if he has yet proved that much. And I know that Rouse are, are talking about 30, 40 million if they want to sell him, which is a huge price for a guy who's just starting out in, in, in Liga and Uber Eats. How much do you rate him? And, you know, would your advice to him be to, be to stay and prove yourself a bit longer in France? Oh, I rate him so hugely. Really, really. Yeah. I think it's not just the, the eight goals, because you could say that... Because, it's, because this is his breakthrough season and he's so new, everything, he doesn't have to think too much. He takes, he takes it all. And, but still, I think you can see the talents. Uh, pretty incredible. The awareness that he has. I mean, the goal in Marseille, for example, in such a difficult environment at the time, it's just ice cold. It's, it's, I think he's going to be a fantastic striker. But to answer your second question, stay a bit longer. Stay with us a little bit longer because there's mm. no one, there's no rush. Two, I'm not really convinced that Newcastle should be a sort of like career path where you you follow once you've done, you, once you feel like you've done a Reims and he's not done a Reims. He's, I don't think he's done in Ligue 1 either. Look at Kylian. I think for, for Ekitike, Kylian should be the perfect example where you don't, not that he's as talented, of course, but certainly, you know, take your time. Really, this is, this is the perfect league to learn, to keep growing, to keep developing. And then he will have plenty of time to go to the Premier League or La Liga or wherever he wants to at clubs that are better than Newcastle because even if I think Newcastle would, would loan him back to Reims until the end of the season, they, they could well be in the championship. So what? Now he's going to go to Reims to the championship in England, which is yeah. a completely different league than Premier League next season. Again, I don't think that makes much sense. And again, a bit like for Botman and Blas, he will have, if he really wants to leave in the summer, he will have many more options and offers than Newcastle and better ones as well. I don't know what you think. He reminds me a little bit, and I know you, you, you watch Arsenal and you watch them back in the day, but 
Um, Nwanko Kanu. Just if you look at yeah. a couple of goals he's he scored, Ekatike, that that composure, like you like you alluded to, and the ball control. Um, and I'm not saying he's got Kanu's talent, but there's something there, isn't there? Completely, you're right, and the size as well. You know, and even yeah. the the sort of skinny um, frame, if you want. I think sometimes I see I see a lot of Trezeguet in him, David Trezeguet, really in the yeah. in the finishing aspect of it. Because he, he's, I think he's better on the ball and runs more and he's more mobile anyway than, than David was. But, but yeah, a Kanu Trezeguet, not that we want to big him up too much, but <laughs> because he's still only 19. But there's certainly so, some of that in him. And I think for me, again, the intelligence is something pretty, pretty amazing. And what Rance are doing with such a young team and Kajust, um, the Swedish super talented yeah. kid that they, they brought on as well this, this month. I think they're doing a lot of really good things and I think he's in the right environment to, to keep shining and to keep improving again. Okay, okay, good stuff. Um, Robbie and I were talking about Hatem Ben Arfa and we were sort of saying, what are Lille doing? Like, you know, <laughs> they, they're, they're not like in, usually it's a, a desperate sort of move with all respect to Hatem Ben Arfa and the skills uh, and Lille are this well-structured club. They don't usually go for a left field signing like that. I've got a feeling you're going to defend Hatem and say, go for it. What do you reckon? No, no, I hear you, of course. And I think you, you took far more sense than me. <laughs> He's my boy, you know, and I will always, always go like, yes, bring him on. He might be rubbish 80% of the time or 90% of the time in his time in Lille and back in Ligue 1. But for the 10%, we will have nutmegs and rush with the ball, dribbling past people. There will be a bit of entertainment. There will be something a bit magical, a bit special because... Even at 34, I think he still has that in him to, to, to deliver and to do. I, I agree with you. I cannot believe that the people at Lille, who, again, have been so good when Campos was there, yeah. after he left, to have those, those incredible shortlists full of talent that a lot of us would have never heard of before, a bit like Sven Botman or Herenveen, and just go and, and spend 10 million on him and bring him back. And then the guy is amazing. This one is completely different to what they usually do. I just, I just love, I just love him so much, and love Hatem Benafa so much that I, yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with whoever wants to sign him. You know, even PhD, you know, getting him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, Liga is a better place with Hatem Benafa in it, no yeah. question. And it, it, it would be a bit different actually, Lille, because it wouldn't be like he'd be coming in as as the savior. You know, they've got a lot of other good attacking players at Bordeaux. It was like, right, our new tactic is give Hatem the ball, um, but at Lille. Yeah, maybe maybe adding that bit of extra flair. They've lost Ikoni. Mm. Um, yeah, who knows? Do you think Chelsea Chelsea quaking in quaking in their boots, perhaps ahead of the Champions League game? Yeah, I mean, you, you know what? I think the 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 best aspect of him coming, and it, it depends a lot on his fitness, of course, and what kind of shape he is, what kind of mindset he is, as well. Knowing him so well, that that will play a big part, but he offers you something a bit different. Instead of being very efficient on on quick attacking transition, which they're very good at. We saw it in the Champions League, we saw it in the league again. Um, with him, your possession-based football, if you want, can, can go up a notch in the sense that he can receive the ball under pressure more than a Jonathan Bamba, more than an Ikone, more than a Yazici, more than a yep. team way up playing white, for example. You know, this is, this is what he's done all his life, all his career, under pressure, keeping the, receiving the ball, keeping it, making it better, and then finding a good pass or finding something. So I think it, it brings you something a bit different than what you already have. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know if that would be enough to scare Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel, who, by the way, knows him quite well. Um, but, but I certainly think that 
again, if he's really in the, in the right mindset with the right attitude, the right fitness, then I think I think he can help them a little bit on certain aspects of their game. And that brings us nicely onto the next uh, player I wanted to talk to you about because Chelsea, they've got a bit of a problem at left back. Mm. Um, maybe that's why, you know, Hatem coming in and uh, attacking that, that, that weak area. <laughs> but they, they, they've been trying to get Emerson back. And I can understand that because yeah, he's been having a really, he's on yeah. loan uh, from Chelsea, having a really strong season at, at Lyon. I've been really impressed with him. Um, I'm not surprised that Lyon are saying, no, no, no. You know, the, the deal was he's doing a season with us and he's become a really important player for them. You with your with your contacts in England as well as in France, what's you know what's the latest as far as the Chelsea left back situation is? I really believe that this one is is over now. They've asked a few times Lyon. They've offered compensation financially, almost three million euros, which you know for someone that you got on loan and pay half of his wages pretty much to get three million euros for basically do you know for doing nothing for someone that you're free a three million euros profit pretty much. Um, it's, it's quite interesting, but in the situation that they are now, and especially with, with no backup, pretty much, let's be honest. I mean, you can always shift Malogusto and or Dubois playing on their wrong foot, but you know, yeah. they won't be better than Emerson. So I guess from a Chelsea point of view, not having put a, a callback clause or not having agreed, because I think they wanted one and Lyon were the, the one who were adamant that they would not put that kind of clause in the contract when Emerson signed in the summer. Is where, is where the issue was because now you can offer as much as you want. Lyon won't, won't send him back to you. Uh, they brought Kennedy back, on lo- who was on loan at Flamengo in Brazil. And I think that would be it. I think that would be it. They just wanted a loan, a six-month loan or a short, short contract. That's why Luca Ding, for example, didn't go to Chelsea because they were not ready to pay the 25 million euro transfer fee that Villa paid. Yep. So I think MSN was really for Tuchel the, the ideal solution. I And... and I, I admire Lyon in a way because they they stood they, they stood they stood firm uh, and yeah. said you know what we agreed for a, a season long loan not for you to call him back after six months because you've got players ah this it doesn't work like this we don't want your money we're going to keep him he's so value to us and they they need him because if they want to go back in top six they need him badly so yeah, yeah I, can, I can see why. Does that mean our friend Levin Kozawa is going to stay in Paris or third choice, fourth choice left back, yeah. whatever he is now? Because he's been linked with Lyon. He's also been linked with Chelsea. Last yeah. I heard, Thomas Tuchel is saying, well, no, I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah. He was offered like a lot of other left back. And again, if you know, if you're an agent, you know, or a player, or a player's dad or brother, whatever, you know Chelsea are looking for a left back. You try, you try your luck. And certainly the Kozawa camp tried. It was not going to happen. I think they tried in case Emerson was going to Lyon. Then he could go to Lyon himself, like also they were t- they were talked about in the summer. Um, I fear for him that he's going to stay at least in, well now until the end of the season, and that for PSG they will keep him when they don't really need him. Brilliant, Julian. Thank you so much. Last one. I'm going to ask you just a little bit about Marseille. There's a lot going on. You know, this potential transfer ban as well oh, might mean they're going to be more active uh, in in January. They've got Cedric Bakambu uh, in. I'd like you just to you know quick word about whether you think that's a good signing. I know he's a Good player. He's been in China for quite some years, so we'll have to wait and see. Said Kolasinac could be joining as well. I think there is definitely a need for somebody on that left-hand side um, for Marseille. And Bubaka Kamara was yeah. quite intriguing yesterday after the game. He was asked about his future. He's out of contract, can sign a pre-contract. If Marseille get a, I don't know, 15 million offer for him, you know, and he's a really good footballer, yeah. Marseille might decide to, to cash in. 
Um, can you see someone coming in for Camara? And what do you think about the, the other two? Mm, yeah, Camara, 100%. I know he's highly rated here in England. There's a lot of scouts and, and clubs who've been looking at him, not just this season, but since he was 16, when he was already quite a monster for his age group at the time. And then obviously breaking through the first team in Marseille quite young as well. So the big appeal here in England for a club like, like Man United or Chelsea is that he can play centre-back and, and defensive midfielder pretty easily, almost switch from one to another in the same game without you changing your formation. He's got this sort of Declan Rice profile where for, for the price of one, you get almost two players, two positions, which I think, again, is very, very valuable and is as good, okay, maybe maybe a little bit better at centre-back. or well, I guess it depends on your taste, but certainly very good in both positions. So I think a lot of clubs are, are looking at him I just think if you know that you can get him for free in six months, why would you go and spend 15 million now? And that's where I think yeah. the issue is, even for Marseille, if they were hoping that someone would come now for them to recoup a bit of, of money, I, I, I'm still a bit skeptical about that one. I think for him, going now in the summer would not make much difference, to be fair. Uh, although in the summer, again, if there's no transfer fee, there's a higher signing on fee for him, a higher commission yeah. too. So... It would make sense for him to finish the season, do really well in the next four months now, take Marseille to the Champions League next season, and then as a Marseille born and bred kid, just to go on, on a high, really, maybe a domestic cup trophy uh, uh, or, or even European trophy. And then he can go, uh, you know, and, um, and, and go somewhere else. Juventus, I was told, we're looking at him as well. They've been big fans. So he will have offers for sure in the summer. For, for the other two, I mean... The transfer ban is a big one, isn't it? Because, mm. because someone like William Saliba, who's been doing so well for them, uh, and they were certainly looking at buying him in the summer, then now this could be a, a stop to it. Bakambu, lovely striker. If he's, if he's really fit, if he hasn't lost any of his, of his qualities, and I don't think so in China, he might yeah. need a bit of time to get, to get used to European football again and that kind of rhythm and in fact, match fitness and very different to Ch Chinese football. But I think he could be a really good pick. Um, and your third one was Kolasinac and for Seat Kolasinac out of contract in the summer yeah. uh, it would be it would fit so well wouldn't it Matt with the, the Marseille mentality and the passion that they have over there for, yeah. their, for football and for their player and I think he could be a really good leader and certainly good enough to play a, a left back or left wing back depending on how Sampaoli wants him to use, wants to use him in that team so yeah again a good, he's a good player. He hasn't really worked out for him. Arsenal at times he's been a bit all over the place defensively. But if you coached him well in a really well structured team, he could he could do yep. a really good job on the left hand side. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I was commentating the Marseille game uh, against Lille, and they just mm. they didn't really have anyone. They, they had Payet playing quite quite a lot on the left in the second half. They switched Lirola yeah. uh, across to the left. They had Luan Perez sort of playing as a left sided centre back, but coming up quite a lot. So. I was looking at that thinking, you know, Kolasinac, he'd have plenty of, plenty of space. Definitely. We'll have to, we'll have to uh, keep our eyes closely uh, following that and all of the transfer news. But thank you so much for joining us, Julien. Thank you. Well, great stuff from Julien. Thank you uh, for joining us here on Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. That's just about all we've got time for this week. But, of course, we are going to end with our Bon Voyage section. Looking ahead to uh, round 22 in France. Some cracking matches. Leon Saint-Étienne, always one of the most uh, hotly contested and entertaining games. The big derby between those two. That's coming up on Friday night. We've got Lens versus Marseille on, uh, on Saturday evening. The Sunday night clash is PSG versus Reims. 
Um, Robbie Thompson is going to tell us where he fancies going next weekend. Well, it's going to be a long trip for me, but I'll be getting up early on Monday morning to watch PSG versus Reims. I always, when I see matches um, down in Montpellier, I always think about a, a, a time I went down there because there's a Montpellier is a, a fairly underrated town, I reckon. People don't know that much about it. It's down on the coast, um, on the Mediterranean, and they do a, a very good wine around there, a sweet white wine, which uh, if you drink too much of it can give you a, a, a formidable hangover the next day. But um, otherwise, the, the local wine, the Musca, is a, is, a, is a fantastic wine down there in Montpellier. And I like their football team. I think they've got plans for a new stadium, which is, which is on the way as well in the next couple of years. They've, they've always had a good women's team. They're a progressive football team that like to shake up the, the hierarchy. They're a little bit irreverent as well. And on, on Sunday afternoon, they have a side that represents old school traditions in France in Monaco as well with their their beautiful shirt as we've just given away today which goes back to the old days they're one of the most successful clubs in the history they're a principality they their 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 money whereas Montpellier uh are the 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 ones that like to get stuck in and stick it up stick it up people so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Florent Mollet and and those guys take on a, an AS Monaco side and a Philippe Clément who needs to build on his early success and Teji Savanier, Robbie, uh, you know course. he's worth the uh, the you know the ticket price alone, isn't he? Well, Steffi M- a- Mavadidi is fantastic as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got a they've got a good squad. They used to have Gaten Laborde, obviously. They've got a good squad, and 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 yeah, I like them. I like their style. I like the cut of their. They're jib. playing, by the way. They're, they're they're playing on on Wednesday night as well at home against Troyes. Um, if they can win that, they'll be back in uh, contention for the uh, for the top five. Um, I'm going to take a leaf out of Robbie Thompson and uh, Boris Johnson's uh, book that maybe they, they, they will write together uh, one day. Um, wine time. It's going to be wine time for me as well on, uh, on Sunday. I'm going to go to Bordeaux because uh, you can't go far wrong, can you? Uh, Bordeaux these days, only, only two hours on the TGV from Paris. There's a new uh, fast uh, train that, 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 that takes you to this lovely town. Beautiful, beautiful city and... Um, doesn't quite have the hustle bustle of uh, of Paris. I like that. You've got all these nice terraces. Anyway, um, the football match is on Sunday Sunday afternoon. They're playing at home against Strasbourg, and uh, there's going to be plenty of tension. And I'll tell you what, Strasbourg. I'm liking the look of them. I mentioned they got that victory um, last weekend without Ajorque and Diallo. Ajorque will be back for the for the game against Bordeaux, and I have to say, I fear for Petkovic and his players. So I'm I'm fascinated to see whether they can react at home against Strasbourg. And I'll be uh, commentating Leon against Saint-Étienne, which I can't wait. Always, can't wait always a fantastic match. Well, a fantastic atmosphere. Hopefully this year as well. Uh, it's, it's, through the years, it's been, mm. uh, it's, yeah, it has been my favourite fixture. If I had to pick one, it's, it's Le Derby. When it we means started, so much when to, those, we started, to those clubs. When we started commentating, Matt, back, you and I, Ligue 1, back in 2008, the, the trip to Stade Geoffroy Guichard was one of my first matches as well early on in the season Karim Benzema securing a 1-0 win at Joffre Guichard for Olympic Lyonnais fantastic moment I interviewed um, a bit of name dropping but I, I interviewed Zlatan after after a game at the Stade Joffre Guichard and I asked him about the atmosphere and he you, you know how when you're asking a question he sort of looks at you and you, you he's just like got his you know 
eyes open a bit do, wide. Do and I answer like, oh, seriously or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had this little <laughs> smile opening up when I and I thought, oh my goodness, maybe you know for Zlatan this isn't actually that special to play at the Stadrov Wakisha. Uh, but actually, yeah, he said, this is what I play football for, for nights like this. I love it. And, you know, it, yeah, he, and he does it. And, and he does. He loves, I think, as all top footballers, they love to play in a, in a hot and a hostile environment like that one in Saint-Étienne. Absolutely. Robbie, that's it. That's it for this week. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for joining us on Le Bourgeois. Please do subscribe on the different podcast platforms. Please do tell all your mates, your family um, about the pod. Um, we welcome get them listening everybody. to win a Lionel Messi shirt yeah shirts up for grabs every week at the moment it is uh, I know the answer yeah. to that one as well maybe I'll uh, we'll see we'll see <laughs> we'll see thank you so much everybody it's time to say goodbye we'll be back of course next week until then all the very best ciao ciao bye bye everyone oh my word what a goal Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!